Welcome to AEM Early Access, a podcast of the Society for Academic Emergency Medicine and the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal. I'm Dr. Gita Pensa, and here's what we've got for you today. As emergency physicians, it is not uncommon for us to make a primary diagnosis of cancer in the emergency department, but we know that nothing about that is ideal for many different reasons. Today we're talking about a new paper in AEM entitled A Qualitative Analysis of Patients' Experiences with an ED Diagnosis of GI Cancer. Senior author Dr. Hajin In, MD, MBA, MPH, is here to discuss it with us. Dr. In is Associate Professor of Surgery at the Rutgers Cancer Institute of New Jersey. She's a surgical oncologist specializing in gastrointestinal cancers, specifically foregut cancers, cytoreductive surgery, and hyperthermic intraperitoneal chemotherapy. And we are really thrilled to have her on the podcast today. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the publisher for a limited time. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. In. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for having me. So it is uh, never ideal, I would say, when a a patient is diagnosed with cancer in the emergency department. I was surprised to read, actually, that there is data to suggest that these patients have poorer clinical and patient-reported outcomes. Um, So what can you tell us by way of background about previous research on patients with cancer who were diagnosed in the emergency department? Yeah, so it's very interesting. I got into this research because um, when I was junior faculty and I started my practice in the Bronx in New York at a large university institution, um, but we were in the Bronx. Um, and so there was a lot of patients who were, in disad- who were coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. And what I noticed as I was starting my practice and I started treating the can- can- patients with uh, cancer was that there was a lot of patients who were telling me this story of how they re- how they presented first to the emergency room, and that's how their cancers got discovered. And and I was thinking to myself, well, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, you know, gastrointestinal cancers typically don't have that profound symptoms that should land you in the emergency room. So I really started to get curious about what was going on. And... um. You note that most qualitative studies deal with the experience of receiving a cancer diagnosis in the emergency department. So what were you interested in studying that was different from that? The, um, you know, my prior studies when I first started with this study um, started with just trying to understand how often this was happening. Um, And what I found was that in the United States, we really don't have a lot of data surrounding this topic. And it's largely because um, our our healthcare system is um, pretty fragmented. You know, we don't really have um, data that crosses different institutions. We don't have, uh, everybody has different insurance. And because of that, it's really hard to track down people who, you know, let's say me as a cancer surgeon saw somebody um, who I'm taking care of. Well, using my own health record, it's very hard for me to understand whether or not they came in through the emergency room unless I actually ask them. And because of this, um, because mm-hmm. of these like data fragmentation issues in the United States, there's nearly no data that's reported um, about how often this happens, 
who who are you know which populations this happens to very often. Um, and so we started off with really a pretty simple study. We said, okay, you know, let's look at our institution and see what happens. And what we found was, you know, doing really detailed chart review, we found that um, 52% of our gastric cancer patients and 42% of our colorectal cancer patients were were coming in through the emergency room. They that that's where they first came in to eventually get discovered that they had cancer. Um, and this was very, mm. this is, this is tremendously high. I mean, this is like half the patient, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and, and when we looked at, when we did a literature search on this, we were only really able to find one other larger study that did this. And it was um, using uh, the Michigan State data. And they're only, they were only reporting about 20, um, 25%. And I and we we needed to understand further, you know, why there was such a discrepancy. Um, is it maybe because the population that we were treating in the Bronx were very different than if you looked at the general population? Um, so we wanted to try to interview people to try to see what was going on um, in a more detailed fashion, and that's how we ended up with this study. Okay, so tell us briefly about your study design and your methods. So we had a cohort of patients who had been diagnosed with the emergent in their emergency room. So of them, we contacted um, uh, over 100 patients to see who we could get in contact with and who we could interested in the study. Um, and of these people, you know, there were a fair number of people who had already um, deceased um, or um, they were, you know, we couldn't contact them. We just couldn't get them on the phone or some of them, of course, declined to, uh, to participate. And of them, 17 um, said that they would agree to do the study. And of them, you know, after after some other um, issues that came up, we were able to interview 12 people to tell us about their experience and and tell us about, you know, what what led them to be in the emergency room, um, you know, that that how did this all transpire? Okay, so you wound up with uh, these 12 participants. Can you Tell us about their demographics uh, and characteristics. And you, you had two participants who came directly from other countries. Can you describe them as well and how you came to include them? Sure, sure. So, you know, we, this study was in, out of, this was a single institution study. And so we didn't have a lot of diversity in the sense that, you know, I don't think this was yet generalizable. We had a fair number of black patients um, as well as Hispanic patients um, and not and not not many whites or Asians. Um, as a matter of fact, we didn't have any Asians. So that was really our population. Um, what we did find was uh, very interestingly was that there was a fair number of patients who were from other countries who, when they discovered that they had cancer, would would come to the United States to seek out care. Now, they weren't necessarily immigrants. What they were were people who were sort of, um, how shall we say, you know, they spent half of their year in their home country mm. and then would come back to the U.S. periodically. But when they discovered that they had cancer, they felt that their cancer care would be better served in the U.S. and would and would come to the U.S. I for see. care. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, okay. So what were the pathways by which the study patients wound up in the emergency department. You just mentioned one. Yep, yep. Um, so there was, you know, if we were to think about pathways, you know, there were some patients who were like that. 
there were some patients who, you know, really had severe symptoms and so directly reported the emergency room. But we also found that there were some patients who first went to their primary care and because they had some profound symptoms or something that was concerning to the primary care um, that they wanted very rapid workup for, the primary care would send them to the emergency room for further workup. Okay. So I did find it interesting that all of the patients reported having a primary care physician. That was one of our most surprising findings. I do agree with you. You know, we have this notion that people who um, seek out the emergency room, especially uh, because we know that a lot of, you know, this happens often in patients who um, routinely use the ED for their care. Mm -hmm. uh, we have this notion that it, they're using routinely for their care because they have no primary care. And what we found was that actually wasn't true. Um, every one of our participants um, said that they had a primary care. And as a matter of fact, um, nine of the 12 patients actually said that they get routine um, and they get routine follow-up. Mm. So that really wasn't the only problem. That's so, I just, it's so interesting. Okay. So uh, let us get into the themes that you identified and they divide up between individual factors and systemic factors. So let's talk about the individual patient factors first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, patient factors, we, we, you know, after aggregating all of the data, we were able to find four different themes going on um, with the patients where one of them was uh, avoidance and denial. And we found that there was, a, there was a number of patients that were basically in denial. You know, they would have these, as I said, gastrointestinal cancer symptoms are, are relatively um, asymptomatic or they're sort of vague in nature. But at the same time, you know, when something's off, um, a lot of us do seek out care. But there was a lot of patients who... Um, said that, you know, they, they didn't feel right. They didn't feel good, but, oh, well, you know, maybe it'll go away. I'm sure it's going to go away. And so there was this notion that people were avoiding it and, and denying that they had symptoms. Um, the second thing that we noticed was that um, knowledge about cancer and screening um, in this population was quite poor. So even if they knew that there were things called screening around, uh, they had very little understanding that screening was to try to find cancer when things were asymptomatic, not necessarily after you had developed symptoms. Um, so that was also a very surprising finding because, you know, that also informs us that when we try to inform, when we try to teach people about screening and why it needs to be done, we have to be very clear that you know, you're not waiting for symptoms to occur to do the screening. You're actually supposed to do it when there are no symptoms. Um, we found that there were patients who had negative views of the health system. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of literature about how, uh, particularly in minority populations, uh, that there is a lot of stigma, um, as well as a lot of negative feelings around the healthcare system. And interestingly, that did come up in our study as well. Um, and so, you know, there were there were notions where, um, you know, uh, they 
they they felt like um, they were getting tasked um, for showing up, or you know, they they felt like they weren't going to be treated very well, and so that that put a negative um, patient had a negative view of the healthcare system that also prevented them from seeking better care. Um, and then, um, of course, you know, in this population, we also found that there was a lot of people who told us about how inflexible their work schedules were and, and in relation to their clinic schedules as well, where, you know, a lot of these people were um, hourly workers. And so it wasn't like they had a steady salary paid job where you could um, have time off um, to go get take care of your health. Um, if you stepped away from work, you weren't going to get paid. And because of that, that prevented a lot of people from being able to seek care in a timely manner. Yeah, I can understand that. Okay, so then regarding the systemic factors, what themes came up there? Uh, systemic factors, you know, the the biggest thing was that these vague symptoms um, had um, were very difficult to diagnose and that uh, cancers for this population um, were sometimes very hard to diagnose. And because of that, we did find that there were some patients where, um, you know, I, I, I think misdiagnosis is maybe a little harsh, but, you know, people just didn't think about the fact that it might be cancer, especially, for example, you know, we had a patient who was very young who was complaining of back pain. And so, you know, how do you think that that's cancer necessarily? Well, they just thought it was musculoskeletal back pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so those that was an issue that we did see. But the real bigger thing was that um, that there's no good system in place. And I think this is very common across the board in the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, that there's no system in place for rapid diagnosis of cancer when there's a suspicion. Yeah. And because of that, the primary cares ended up not having, you know, basically being forced to send them to where they knew a patient would get rapid workup, which is the emergency room. Right. Right. And I point this out interestingly because, um, you know, as I studied this topic um, much deeper, um, the UK and uh, countries like Denmark have set up systems. So they've done this research for the last 20, 30 years. Um, as I said, in our, in the US system, this study, this research has been very hard because we don't have good linkage, we don't have good data right. um, that goes across systems. But um, in countries that have uh, databases that are you know, that cover their whole population, um, this topic, they've been studying this topic. And so uh, when they found that one of the big problems was that there was a very, you know, diagnosing people rapidly was a way to keep keep people out of the um, emergency room, they actually set up their healthcare system so that there would be, um, you know, routes where patients could go to quickly get their cancers diagnosed as mm-hmm. a way to try to lessen the burden on the emergency room. Wow. <laughs> one one could only hope for wish for such things, right? <laughs> so, um, so, okay. Between the combination of these individual patient factors and these systemic factors, like what would you want us to take away from this study? Where can we improve? Uh, what What should we think about doing next? 
You know, I, I think that from the U.S. perspective, I think that the first thing is that we have to acknowledge that this is a problem. Um, as I said, you know, we have very little data on this. Um, and so one of the studies that I have embarked upon is trying to uh, aggregate um, different data. Um, we're trying to do studies across states. Um, so within the within entire state for the United States to better understand, you know, how often does this happen and which populations is this happening to? Um, and on top of that, to see if really, you know, the really um, is the fact that people are coming through the emergency room something that is um, contributing to the poor outcomes that we see in so many of these um, disadvantaged populations. Because we know in the United States that disadvantaged populations have much more cancer outcomes. Mm. Um, so maybe, possibly, does, does you know, going through with the emergency room contribute to that? And if it does, you know, how does it contribute so that we know how to fix it? Those are all really great questions, actually. just I just, I found the whole thing surprising um, and very interesting. So thank you for coming to talk to us about this paper today. I appreciate your time. Oh, no, thank you so much for inviting me. This was great. Thanks for listening to this month's AEM Early Access. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes at AEM Early Access, all one word. Don't forget to read the full text of this article, available open access from the Academic Emergency Medicine Journal for a limited time. Today's music is by Scott Holmes. I'm Gita Pensa, and we'll see you next time.